0: welcome back to the pcs podcast your home for all things competitive pokemon tcg in this episode justin and i are going to dive into the utrecht special event results dive into a quick metashare study regarding that tournament and potentially the future until scarlet violet there were some new cards released, and we're going to dive into those as well. We'll answer a listener question and give our predictions for the Charlotte Regional this weekend. Justin, how are you, buddy? I'm good.
1: I uh, had a little bit of a busy weekend um, doing some family stuff as well as attending a 1K. Um, performed okay at the 1K. Um, lost my winning round to Top Cut, unfortunately, but you know that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, Other than that, I'm just gearing up for another wild week at work. We seem to be just busier than ever, uh, beating all of our numbers from previous years. So just keeping up with those uh, punches, which is never a bad thing. And here we are, very some Pokemon. How about you?
0: I am good. Uh, My team, we got all of our singles, like the actual physical singles. We need to start practicing Scarlet Violet this week. So that was a huge huge thing for us you know kind of divvying up play sets making sure everybody gets a little uh taste of what we got and we got it very very early so we're super thankful for that um just can't wait to start building decks with all that stuff um other than that yesterday march 19th i uh, celebrated my birthday turned 29 so yeah i'm super old now and uh i uh hung out with my parents played Uh, Pool with my mom and hung out with my siblings and stuff like that. Wife came home from Arizona yesterday, so I'm glad she made it home safe. And yeah, now just back to uh, the regular work week and mentally and physically preparing myself for another what I would assume is a very long stretch. I don't know know if I mentioned this before, but like I used to have split days off, but now I'm like working five days in a row. I know first world problems, but dude, I don't know how you guys do it. (laughs) It's insane. I like I like my one day break in the middle of the week. I do I live
1: for my two days off in a row honestly I'm not gonna lie if I had like only one day I don't know how I would spend it honestly
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I did it for like five years so (laughs) it's just a change of pace but yesterday because uh you know it was so gloomy outside I got to stay inside and watch the Utrecht Netherlands special event that had 694 masters but before we start talking about decks let's talk about ultimate guard when it's time to upgrade your TCG storage or just to re-sleeve your favorite deck, make sure you're checking out Ultimate Guard's premium accessories. So what deck won you check. Uh, this is a
1: favorite of the PCS podcast in yeah. Power Tower. Uh, you guys have heard us talk about RCS Duraludon for many a months now and how Drew and I are both huge fans of, uh, all things Duraludon and, uh. It finally got a incredible win. Uh, I mean, it's it's won in the past, but this was just like a really, really awesome event for it to win, um, and with a pretty pretty cool list as well too. Just seems very streamlined with like those one of techs here and there that make it just like that much more uh, awesome that it won. Um, right now, we're seeing a lot of decks like this focus on the big parasols, but uh, we're seeing an inclusion of a choice belt in here. Which is great for uh just that extra damage that sometimes Dralodon needs. As well as things like uh a Temple of Sinnoh, um, which is really cool to just throw off things like Lugia, which it already has a pretty decent matchup against, and that's just that one more thing to turn Lugia
0: uh
1: the Lugia matchup into its favor.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. Eveltal has been a thorn in Doralodon's side. Obviously, you need something like that to be able to delete. What would be considered an auto loss. Um, Most Lugialists aren't going to take in path to try to win this specific matchup. Uh, But double Parasol plus the Temple of Sinnoh combo. If a typical Lugialist is running a vacuum, if any vacuum at all, making it a very difficult uh, decision to try to get rid of the Parasol or the Temple uh, just kind of locks Yveltal out of the game in that specific instance. So I really do like it for that particular reason. Um, but other than that man, the one rope, the four boss it seems like you can eliminate the Evelto play very early in the game, but you know Duraludon's only matchup isn't um, lugia, but it definitely is one of the more difficult ones to overcome. I think it's got a lot of cards in this list that just help you sustain um, a good amount of play against a lot of the top decks, one of them being keeping the inclusion of the hyper potions, and running the four double turbo energy. Things like Lost Box tend to be mildly problematic, but if you can basically zero out that one of cram poked into one of the VMAX, you're put you're, you're putting yourself in a really good position to not get late gate, late game Zammed or hit with like a Raikou plus Sky Seal Stone to give up four prizes. And I really do think that this list just had the minimal answers to most of the things in you know the matchup.
1: Yeah, offsetting that damage that uh, that chip damage that Lost Box uh, does is is huge. Not only in you know the Duraldon matchup, but just matchups in general because they they prey on you know chip damage here, chip damage there, and then clean up with a Sableye later on, or like you said, a big big Zam knockout or something like that. So to be able to keep the Hyper Potions in this list and be able to just negate that in general um, just makes it so strong. And yeah, like you said, the four count of boss just so you can you can get whatever you want whenever you want is absolutely insane as well as the inclusion escape rope. I know whenever I was playing power tower, um, I always had like three boss in one rope or four boss, no rope. So to be able to fit that all four and a rope, that's just another switching option. Um, and then we also see they're p- playing a full four count of pokey gears. So the likeliness of them to find that boss when they need it is absolutely, I mean, it's, it's incredibly huge to, to get it when you need it there. Um, just, being able to you know power through their deck honestly and do what they need to and i don't think we mentioned um who piloted either Uh, Nico alabas was who piloted this too by the way
0: yeah super sick congrats on you know taking home first place this is a really sick event actually had a substantial amount of players there too uh but i definitely think this field was catered to us here at the pcs podcast because it played against gudra uh Vinny Sheffalt um played Zuhian, Gudra V Star, the Lost Box variant. And I tend to like this list a lot too. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts first, Justin.
1: Yeah, I um I, I've been putting a little bit of testing in with uh Gudra just to try something different than Reggie's. Um and I've I've kind of been liking it, but what's crazy about this list to me personally is the fact that there's no ball search whatsoever in the deck. Um it's got four battle VIP pass, but other than that, there's literally nothing to search out a Pokemon other than capture energy and then, you know, if you get knocked out, a Rihon. Um. So I think that's a little strange in my opinion, but at the same time, if you're really digging through your deck with uh, the comfies, with things like the Radiant Greninja, your Colruses, if you, you know, are able to keep what you need when you need it, I guess it makes sense. I just... To me, it's a little sketchy. I I would love to have like a ball search for later game, especially if I get something like uh, Marnied. But I I don't know. That's that's maybe just how I feel. Um, but I also like the
0: comfort of being able to find things when I need to find them too. Uh, what what's your thoughts on it, Drew? I uh, I love the list. I think we're back on the train of running the one choice belt to help knock out things like the dragonites or uh, to take a knockout on a basic pokemon v which i think is very important for gooder to be able to do Um, 200 damage is definitely nothing to scoff at but you are two shotting everything and with there being such high powered attackers in this format like duraludon everything lugia flavored uh, or even palkia from time to time too um having that 270 hp threshold even if you're negating ad damage trading a two shot for a two shot is just not exactly where you want to be so i think that choice belt definitely helps offset that quite a bit what i love in this list is you have plenty of draw in the form of four colors experiment two roxanne and then two pokey gear to help you get to those draw um necessary components um but no ball search definitely feels a little funky. The three capture helps you get there. The battle VIP pass—you gotta have a pretty explosive first turn to set up that board. But because you have so much draw, um, it's justifiable to be able to do that. Uh, but man, this—it's just a, another Gudra list. It seems mildly susceptible to things like echoing horn because that's a really solid win con against Gudra. but doesn't appear that a lot of echoing horn is being played in any of the top decks at this event so uh really cool finish from vinny loved seeing this top cut you know we're big fans of tank and heal decks by nature and watching them duke it out on stream yes one has shred but it's it's just really cool to see two of our favorite decks contend in an event like this
1: yeah, I agree, and then the other thing, too, is like I feel like the Marnie counts and stuff, of course, other than Draladon have been kind of low, so I mean, yeah, like you said, building up those big hands and stuff like that makes this deck, you just have what you need when you need it, so yeah, very cool, like we said, also big fans of the Goo, so it's really cool to see them battle it out
0: in the, uh, the finals there. Yeah, but just when you think we're done talking about Gudra, the notable shoutouts this week feature another gooder list piloted by none other than stefan ivanov uh the double raihan's back the single roxanne is questionable to pokey gear as well but the one card we need to talk about in this list is the silver tempest articuno that does the wild freeze attack for 70 damage for two water and you paralyze your opponent this is an inclusion we haven't seen in a Lugia list, or not Lugia, in a Gudra list before, and I really, really do like it. When you think about the numbers that you need to hit, putting 70 damage on your opponent's active Pokemon, and then coming and cleaning up with a Gudra later in the game, plus freezing them in the active, thus buying yourself a turn, seems incredibly impactful. What are your thoughts about it?
1: No, I couldn't agree more. I I absolutely love the inclusion in there. And if you're playing a deck that plays Water Energies and Mirage Gates, I mean, it kind of just makes sense. Um, And I mean, we saw the power of that Articuno in the Palkia decks being able to um, just freeze things, like you said, in the active when they need to, and then just being able to come right back and, you know, with that second hit with the Goudreau, you're knocking it out and then reducing damage. It's just it makes a lot of sense. I, I really do like that inclusion, and I'm actually, you know, it's kind of surprising that we hadn't seen that inclusion in this list before. So it's really cool that Stefan Ivanov really, you know, thought this through. Um, I Like you mentioned, there's only one Roxanne. I personally do love the double Roxanne in this list because it's so powerful to not only stick the one, but stick a second one potentially if you need to. Um, I do like the two Raihans because your comfies are something that's getting easily knocked out, so you're able to search what you need when you need it. Um, but something that I think is very strange to me is only one Ordinary Rod. Um, I personally would love to see two, um, especially if you are going in with that Articuno uh, mindset. If they're able to get that Pokemon that's paralyzed out of the active somehow, like an Escape Rope or a Scoop-Up Net, um, I mean, that getting knocked out and then losing some of the energies is can be, be a little detrimental. Um, and you kind of want to be able to recycle that back in if you need to. But, you know, at the same time, if, if you really manage, if you manage your resources really well, um, I think it probably doesn't hurt too much. It's just um, the more and more I play this format, the more I'm like having a second one of those, especially in a Lost Box variant deck, um, is probably a must. But, you know, Stefan Ivanov
0: is an incredible player, so he, he knows how to manage his resources a lot better than I do. Yeah, and that's why he can fly pretty close to the sun by only using three Mirage Gate, running four capture instead of any ball search in a deck like this. No no spicy tech, no no cute cards here or there, no big parasols or anything like that. It just seems very streamlined and you know, third place finish is definitely nothing to scoff at, so definitely very cool. And another list that I think Justin and I are a very big fan of is, uh, Bernando Diaz's RCS V-Star B Drill list. I'll let you take it away on this one, buddy.
1: Yeah. Um, I saw this pop
0: up on Twitter. Um,
1: and I was just, I was giddy whenever I saw that, uh, an RCS, uh, ARC Intel with bees. So ARC bees, um, made it so far. Um, I believe the player even said it was like only their second big event ever, maybe even their first big event. So the fact that they were able to pilot this, um, what place would it get again? Um, I don't I don't know. But I would um, say it was top ten or top twelve. E- yeah, I know it was a very high placing. I remember being surprised for only their second event. Um, but yeah, just you know an Arc intel list that has a bunch of one-off supporters and low counts on trainers because with that uh, Inteleon engine you can search what you want and what a great way to send off the Inteleon engine with having this do so well at this event Um, But it's pretty cool that we're seeing that they included something like the Radiant Charizard to be able to um, late game clean up some damage Uh, normally when you see something like Arc bees You don't think they're just going to be running grass and maybe a water energy or two, but the fact that they included a fire energy in there for that matchup specifically, or for that Pokemon specifically, is really good. Um, They're playing the energy search so they can find it when they need it, um, and just
0: really awesome, consistent list all the way around. Yeah, I tend to agree. Radiant Charizard and RCSX has always been a very good late game closer. Beedrill having a very favorable matchup, trading into things like Lugia and Mew, uh, but you, st- you don't see any real cute um, aggressive tech. Uh, so there's no Drapion in here, no um, trying to throw in something like a Luminion to get that supporter that you need when you uh, trim your hand all the way down uh, to get muster going. It's just Arc Intel at the end of the day. Um, but one thing I wanted to notate uh, with the Arc Intel engine, typically you see something like two Sharon's Care. In this list, you see one, but you do see the inclusion of the Palpat. Obviously, you're not going to try to mustard four times a game because you can only recycle the bees so much with one Ordinary Rod. But with the list like this, you just kind of have a hard-hitting answer, sustainability with the one of Sharon's Care, plus the game-tilting bee drill. And I just, I really, really do like this list. It kind of seems like they uh, they time-capsuled a really good list from a previous, (laughs) like, regional and they defrosted it like captain america to come join in and clean up the format so it's really cool um and i you know definitely hats off to uh bernando for taking fifth at this event with a deck that we very much so enjoy and didn't think we'd see for the rest of the format
1: yeah, no, and now that you mention it too, I did I did just notice that there's two Mustards in there and only the one Sharon's Care, and I know personally when I was playing this, I did like the two Sharon's Cares because looping that Arceus is so strong, but yeah, the Palpat in there is obviously a must if you're only one that running that one Sharon's Care, so he must have went in all in on that drill, just wanted to get it out super aggressive, super early, and in this format where there is so much special energy yeah, it does make sense. But yeah, I agree. It's like, it is almost like a time capsule. It's like, what are we, six, in the, you know, six months ago talking about
0: decks? So yeah, really, really exactly. cool to see and piloted so well. Yeah, definitely. G, So with that being said, we'll transition in the MetaShare study. The MetaShare study is brought to you by Ink Gaming. Ink Gaming has a wide variety of custom playmats, dice bags, face masks, sleeves, dice, and deck boxes. So when you use the code PCSPOT 10 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your entire order. Uh, Lugia Archeops. Thirty, almost 31% of the day two metashare uh, but we didn't see it in top four and that feels pretty good <laughs> I'd say that you know uh, there, there's obviously that rotation of Lugia being incredibly dominant uh, people teching Lugia a little bit Lugia falls short and you know then Lugia makes all eight decks in top cut so it's a It's a rotation, and I think we're at the point where maybe there was too much Lugia tech. I know Tord Reklev wasn't running vacuum and was running a very consistent and streamlined list with... Which, yes, I understand, like, that's not getting techie in a Lugia list, but what that's doing is subtracting something that's necessary for specific matchups like Arctoralidon. And, you know, it's just lugia is going to find its way back up into a top cut scenario we all know what's going to happen but it was nice to see two decks in the final that were not lugia for a change Uh, but one thing that i wanted to notate here is that lost box having five percent of the day two meta share that seems very uncharacteristic especially of uh from our eu players and so on and so forth um and gudra being the number one played lost box variant deck if you will uh what do you think about that man
1: yeah i noticed that there was just an absolute ton of gudra there um and it, i just think that was a big like a great meta call but as far as lost box itself being so um i don't want to say underplayed but um just not i I guess underplayed. Realistically, I mean, this is the day two meta, so maybe day one there was a bit more, um, and they just didn't, you know, make it through. But Lost Box is a very, um, it's very—I don't want to say thought-provoking, but like thought-intensive deck. So maybe a couple people went into this and were like, "I just want something a little more streamlined, a little more guaranteed to do well." Um, or like go in my favor, not by variance chance, because, you know, everyone's gotten those lost box hands where it's like the worst choices you have to, you know, lost zone one card ever. Um, so that could be a factor, bad variance to get into day two, but with the fact that things like, um, the Hazui and Gudra doing so well, that can definitely gatekeep things like those lost zone boxes, um, from doing well and performing, uh, like we kind of talked about just being able to negate some of the, the damage they do with their V-Star ability, um, or Gujra's V-Star ability, then things like Arceus Duraldon being able to heal off some of the damage with uh, the double-turbo Hyper Potion loop, um, just all, you know, Mu V-Max was pretty popular, that being able to psychic leap back into the deck, so just the fact that there's a lot of things that can kind of remove the damage that Lost Box is trying to put on the board and set up these big plays, I think is probably the biggest factor um, why we're not seeing as large of a meta share in day two and especially of a smaller amount of performance
0: um, from Lost Box itself. Yeah. And I feel like the fringe that we saw in day two as well, um, the three Vika the three Flaffy Boxes, the three Articuno lists, uh, the two Mewtwo V-Stars or V-Unions, if you will, and the one of Eternatus, it's... It's an average field. You're going to see those types of decks uh, put in the hands of very um, well-rounded and well-versed players um, see this kind of success. But I also think that that makes it mildly problematic for things like Regis, which have to tech for top three always, and Lost zone boxes, which are just variety toolbox decks to cover the entire field. Um, I really do love seeing a lot of fringe make its way into day two, but like I said before, in the cycle where Lugia is dominant, Lugia is teched for, and then Lugia misses top cut, and then we go back into Lugia being dominant again. Uh, we're just kind of going through the consistent cycle, and who knows where we'll land coming into SV one. But you know, I really, I really do like this meta field, and I think that it just shows that if a good player makes a meta call that isn't Lugia, they can see just as much. Uh, Success.
1: Yeah, I personally didn't pick up Lugia once through uh this format just because, you know, Lugia and everyone's playing it. But yeah, you put a good deck in a good player's hands and they can perform. I mean we've seen it time and time again and um I mean this regional we saw Arceus Duraldon take the whole thing with such a large uh Lugia Archaeops, you know, field. So yeah, good player with a good deck
0: can win every time. Yep, for sure. So I I could see Mew and Lugia staying at their respective twenty and thirty one percent when it comes to the next couple of formats, especially Charlotte. But we might not see so much Flaffy Articuno, Mewtwo, v- Union, and yeah. Eternatus going forward. But who knows? You know, Eternatus did make a second place finish a couple weeks ago, so we'll uh, yeah. just have to wait and see. Uh, We're going to go ahead and transition into the news. We had some new cards from the Japanese set Snow, Hazard, and Clay Burst revealed, and we got them translated for us, so thanks to Tuan Lei and PokeBeach and everybody else out there who makes it very easy for creators and I to understand these cards in a different language, and I will go ahead and let you take the first card.
1: Yeah, so the first card we're seeing is Chiyuex. I hope I said that right. Um, It's a Yeah, it's a fire Pokemon with 190 HP. It's a basic Pokemon. Um, for one fire energy, Burning Envy, discard two cards from the top of your opponent's deck. For two fire energy, um, Flame Surge, 100 damage. Choose up to three of your bench Pokemon. Search your deck for a basic fire energy and attach one to each of those Pokemon. Then shuffle your deck. Um, it's a EX, so whenever it's knocked out, take two prize cards. Weakness is water, resistance none, and a retreat of one. Um, I actually think this card's pretty cool. I think if we ever get, like, a viable mill strategy, this would be a really cool, like, mill slash stall strategy. This would be a really cool inclusion, because um, for one energy to attach and just discard two, um, could be a pretty easy, um, cleanup, you know, card at the end of the game. Um, but also the fact that it's got the flame surge for 100 damage and, uh, accelerating energy to three separate Pokemon on your bench... Um, that can always be very strong as well. Uh I think with the fact that its HP is so low at 190, it's a little um what's the word I'm looking for? A little scary to put that on your bench just to be able to accelerate energy, but at the same time, um I think it's I think it's actually a pretty interesting card all around. I, I do like it and if fire becomes something to um, you know, play around with a little bit more, I think this would be a really cool inclusion in there.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it has similar merit to the way that Carbominable sways games in um, like a Me2 v Union matchup uh, in like Palkia, uh, but it's just got a significantly lower HP threshold and doesn't quite have the same, um, you know, attacking threat that Crabominable does. Uh, I think as a, I don't want to call it a big basic, but as a basic uh attacker that you can attach one or two energy to it definitely can fill a void that you need in a fire deck like that i think Entei v is probably still a little bit stronger even though it doesn't have like a mill effect um, but i think it's it's kind of theme decky at face but it's cool it's new and it's exciting and that's why we had to talk about it uh the next card i want to talk about is called back's caliber 160 hp water pokemon evolves from arctic backs this is like the godzilla looking ice pokemon that we got in scarlet violet its ability absolute zero as often as you like during your turn you may attach a basic water energy card from your hand to your pokemon and it has an attack for water water colorless bust tail for 130 damage weakness to metal and a retreat cost of two this card's sick <laughs> like, you just really can't get over that kind of ability irida being able to grab both the the plus the rare candy that will allow you to just accelerate energy forever this is the new blastoise this is undeniably one of the better cards we've seen come out of scarlet violet period uh that it, it only has a two retreat cost so it's incredibly mobile as well uh, i just i don't see a world with this card doesn't see any play uh, we're going into a format where Stage 2s need to be strong and have game-tilting abilities, and I think that this card does just that. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, I really like this card as well, too. Um, the only thing is we you know we kind of thought with Frozmoth uh, and Sword and Shield Base coming out that that was going to be super strong. Granted, that was limited to the bench only, so it did have kind of a caveat to it that made it a little harder. So this being, And that was a Stage 1, whereas this is a Stage 2, so it's kind of like that trade-off, like, okay, now you're getting one stage further so we're gonna let you attach the water energies to whichever pokemon you like so just by doing that it makes it that much stronger but yeah i couldn't agree more that the the Irida plus rare candy or Irida for rare candy in this uh the excalibur combo or Caliber backs yeah Caliber is literally it's i think it's going to be very strong and i think water is going to have a really good uh field day coming up here soon um it's funny. I called Ax Caliber. There's a place in my town called Ax Caliber, uh, so that's why <laughs> I just went for that name. But um, yeah, no, just really cool. I know a lot of people that have been in the game for a long time were comparing this to uh, Deluge Blastoise, and it is very similar to that as well, too. So just really, really cool to see them, you know, recognize those uh, previous uh, mechanics
0: and then bringing them back. You know, when pe- players love those mechanics, right? And it. It has an okay attack, and for the meta that Deluge was in, it had a very worthwhile attack, but I think that this is just, you know, we, we still have Palkia in this format, we still have Suicune and Ludicolo in this format. Setting up two stage twos is unreasonable, but I think just water itself has a ton going for it right now. And, you know, Kirim's still kind of waiting on the surface to come through and start cleaning up large targets once again, so and a with, lot... Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and just a lot on the forecast for water decks being very strong in the next format.
1: Yeah, and I was just going to add to that too, and with the format potentially even slowing down as well too. I mean, that's just going to lend to um, you being able to get this out a lot, you know, a lot easier than you would in like our current format. So, um, yeah, water, water might be the next uh, or coming back to being the deck of choice again here soon.
0: Yep, very cool. Next card.
1: Yeah, next card is Chen Pao EX. Uh, it's a basic water Pokemon with 220 HP. It's got the ability Trembling Cold. Once during your turn, if this Pokemon is your active Pokemon, you may search your deck, uh, your deck for up to two basic water Energies, reveal them, and put them into your hand. Then shuffle your deck. Um, its attack: two Water Energies, Hail Blizzard, 60 times damage. Discard any amount of Water Energy from your Pokemon. This attack does 60 damage for each card you discarded this way. Um, when you uh, obviously it's a two prizer again um, weakness is metal um, and then resistance is none and a retreat of two so with this card um, i actually love this ability being able to search out two basic water energies um, just really good especially since water's is losing capacious bucket which was the item card that allowed you to pull two water cards from your deck so this card combined with the Caliber that we just talked about um, is going to be very very strong especially Um, The fact that you can stack this ability as long as you're able to switch the the, uh, Chen Pao into your active um, from your bench, you can do this multiple times and then go in with backscalibur and then accelerate energies and just be able to take incredibly large knockouts seems so, so strong to me. Um, Just, again, adds to water being really, really big coming up. What are your thoughts, Drew?
0: Oh man, I love this card. Uh, But it's, we'll use Capacious Bucket, and now we have Catpacious Buck Cat. Because Chain Pow is a like snow leopard. And uh, I just, I had to make the joke. But at at the end of every turn, you know, your opponent takes a knockout on something, big deal. You promote Chain Pow EX, go grab two basic water, and you're cooking, again, you're thinning your deck out while simultaneously having the energy to attack with a Pokemon like this. Yes, being able to rotate uh, two of these into the active to pull four water out is definitely very good, but we have superior energy retrieval coming back into the format. Um, it's It just seems like it's poised to be very, very strong. Another thing to notate is that it's weak to steel. So although we have all this great lightning support coming out in the future, both Baxcalibur and Chain Pow not being susceptible to... What I would consider is like the new best deck in format or at least a contender for one of the best new mechanics that's coming to our format is sick. You know, how many times have we seen title Pokemon like Zacian and Zamazenta just eat the entire format until we get something that hits it for weakness um, and we just go through that chain of weakness boxes. And I think that this is a great additive and I think it's going to bring a significant amount of balance and a small boost to water Pokemon that may not see play until these two cards come out.
1: Yeah, it does seem like Pokemon is kind of realizing um, what they did with Sword and Shield, where it's like every set that comes out, it literally automatically knocks out the last best deck in format. Is something that players were not super happy about. Like, yeah, I gave them new decks to play and build, but the fact that it's not instantly countered makes it seem like a lot more fun like you can have a lot more um, variants and decks can stay around a lot longer so i do agree that um, the fact that it's not weak to lightning is really nice because that means this will actually have a a time to shine instead of instantly getting knocked out um, as soon as it's printed from amphros or any kind of other light or mirrodon and thing like things like that um, lightning flavored so yeah i do like that the fact that they're weak to steel instead of lightning
0: itself Yep, I tend to agree. The next Pokemon we're going to talk about is Rabska, which if you've looked at its name, it's, uh, it's the name Scarab kind of moved around itself, and it's Scarab-looking bug with a big old Dung Beetle eyeball, um, poop ball. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it, but that's, that's, that's what the Pokemon design is after. I think it's very tasteless, but the card itself is very cool. Uh, psychic Pokemon, Stage 1, uh, 70 HP. It evolves from uh, Relor for one colorless you do revival blessing you choose a pokemon from your discard pile and put it onto your bench this is any pokemon you can put a v max v star uh not a v union but um just any single card from your discard pile and put it directly on your bench and that ends your turn that's Super strong being able to have any recovery like that and put a single prize attacker into the active to trade that out just seems like a very good addition to our format for two psychic, you do psybeam for 50 damage, and your opponent's active Pokemon is now confused. Eh, it's just lackluster. But the first attack is where it's at. Uh weakness to dark, resistance to fighting, and a retreat cost of one um i'm not sure what i would pair this with yet but the fact that you could use it in the zoro box um that is seeing um a small nerf because we are losing twin energy uh but this is definitely something that is very very cool no one's really gonna play that much lost box going into like not lost box but lost city um going into the future so something like this could definitely checkmate your opponent unless of course you know this card comes out and people say okay it's lost city time forever uh, but i really do like this card.
1: Yeah, i'm i will say i'm a little indifferent about it. Like when i was first reading it um i thought it was really cool and that the that first attack is really strong, but then i remembered we have things like Eternatus Vmax that granted it's not an attack, but it does almost something exactly, you know, similar. Um you play that down, you search for 2Vmax and your turn ends. Oh, you mean the Radiant
0: Eternatus. Yeah, yeah
1: Radiant yeah, yeah, Radiant Eternatus. Sorry about that. Um so in a sense, it's kind of the same thing. Like, even though that's an ability, it still ends your turn, whereas the attack puts something from your discard pile onto your bench. It also ends your turn. Um, still very, very strong, but at the same time, I you know, and maybe it's not comparable because uh, this Rapska is any Pokemon. that doesn't have to be a VMAX. It can be, you know, one of the new Stage 2 EXs, things like that. Um, but... With, you know, we're not seeing Eternatus VMAX, or not Eternatus VMAX, but Radiant Eternacy really any play right now because the fact that it ends your turn, so you don't have a chance to charge that up. It just kind of just goes to your bench, and then your opponent's like, okay, well, I'm going to try to knock that out, so that way all that work you did was for nothing. Um, so I'm indifferent, and maybe with the slower format, we'll see both of those, both um, Radiant Eternatus and this Rabska see, you know or be a little more viable and things like that um but yeah right now i'm kind of up in the air about it. it is a very cool attack just being able to bring something back from your discard pile but at the same time comparing it to radiant Eternatus, it's already not really seen any play it kind of that's where i kind of put it but
0: just still really cool pokemon and a really cool attack at the same time yeah for sure i also think that maybe in something like glc uh this could be huge being able to put the infiltrator uh, dragapult directly back onto the bench uh not having to go through the whole cycle of evolving into a whole stage 2 in a slower format like that uh, could be very, very impactful. But it's a really cool attack. I don't know where to use it yet, but I think that it's definitely very strong. Uh, next card, Justin.
1: Yeah, so Ting Lu EX. It's a basic uh, fighting Pokemon with 240 HP. So Huge. pretty pr- Yeah, pretty good for a basic uh, EX. Um, it's got the ability Cursed Ground. If this Pokemon is your active Pokemon, your opponent's Pokemon with damage counters on them have no abilities, excluding Pokemon EX. Um, and then for three fighting energies, Land Scoop, 150 damage, put two damage counters to one of your uh, onto one of your opponent's benched Pokemon. Um, and then, of course, Two Prizer, it is weak to grass, no, no resistance, and a retreat of four. So... Um, instantly, huge HP, which is always really nice, especially for a basic. Um, the ability is pretty cool, I do like it, I I like it, but at the same time, it does kind of suck that it excludes Pokemon EX. If it was any Pokemon, um, had the ability shut off, I think it would be so much stronger, um, just because we're seeing a lot of these EX come out with abilities, but, um, Land Scoop, kind of, kind of large attack, but the fact that you're adding damage counters, which then go on to, uh help that Cursed Ground ability is really nice. The Retreat of Four is is a little, you know, um, not, not desirable. But I think this could be paired really well with the Halucha that we've seen coming out with um, Scarlet and Violet Base, um, just to be able to kind of shut off different abilities on the board and kind of try to control the board state. But I think this card would be so much better, like I said, if it didn't exclude Pokemon EX on that ability, other than that, um, I think it's a cool card, but I don't know if it will see play based on the wording so far.
0: Right. Um, so it having 240 HP, right? If you're shutting off the Reggie Alekis by using something like an early game, Gapejaw Bog, where your opponent puts all the damage counters on themselves if they want to have uh, Pokemon, is really cool. The fact that it shuts off Mirrodon, and the whole point of Gapejaw Bog is to put damage counters on Pokemon played from the hand, not from the deck where Mirrodon gets him directly from the deck. Puts this card back just a little bit and you're leaving something with a four tree cost in the active. So it has uh, it doesn't have a whole bunch going for it. But I think that like maybe in a world where you lead with Tinglu, put down something like Gapejaw Bog and then try to set up something like Aerodactyl um might be very impactful in the future to just play like a lock deck entirely uh pack penny plenty of switch cards to get this big tanky guy or play something like penny that allows you to pick it back up um, i think that that's going to be very necessary but it's i don't know something to definitely play around with because with 240 hp if you're shutting off the lekkies um miradon's not going to knock it out because it hits a max of 220 and the lekkies are increasing that damage output by itself, and if those have damage counters on it, uh, Ting Lu unfortunately kind of sticks around for a little bit longer and hits for mirrored on weakness. So, yeah, uh, I I'm, indif- I'm indifferent about the card, it's got some stuff going for it. Go ahead,
1: yeah, no, I, I agree. It definitely, has, I definitely think you could see some fringe play and stuff like that. Um, and if Lost Box stays as prominent as it has been, I mean. That can be a really strong card, or this can be a really strong card for that matchup specifically, especially if you're playing things like the Halucha, so you're instantly shutting off their uh, comfies because they have abilities on them, um, so they can't sit there and do flower selecting and things like that, so it could be really cool and really strong if something like that stays around uh, as well, like you said, with the, um, I didn't even think about the Regilecki VMAX because my mind instantly went, you know, ultra rare, but EX is definitely different than Vmax so yeah um so yeah so shutting off those while we've got the Vmax and V's around as well is pretty pretty strong as well too um maybe some kind of big just like you said with Penny tank
0: tank and heal or tank and scoop up deck and go from there yeah i i really do agree and if your opponent's clef keys have damage counters on them you're not getting locked out of the game by clef key anymore so there's always that which is i think is really cool but huh. you can- the Ting Lu would have to be in the active first before the cleft key.
1: I was just about to say that I wonder how that would work because it's you know it's an ability, but that's also an ability
0: <laughs> right, but you know the cleft key not being in any, in e x and Ting Lu would need to be in the active. It's kind of like who it, whoever's wheezing gets to the active first is like the the one that you know. shuts it yeah right so it's 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 again one of those like you know wobber wheezing um discussions but yeah it's uh it's it's got stuff going for it i'm so indifferent about the way that this card will interact in the future uh next card we're going to talk about is the dunsparce Uh, 140 hp colorless pokemon stage one evolves from dunsparce I have been waiting for this card to come out, and they made it very, very powerful. For one colorless, it does Mud Slap for 30 damage. That's it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) For four colorless, it does Sudden Flash for 100 damage, and your opponent's active Pokemon is now paralyzed. You shuffle this Pokemon and all cards attached to it into your deck, weak to fighting, and then a retreat cost of three. So Lugia is already going to play Dunsparce, right? and in a future format it doesn't have as much variety attackers but now it has the paralysis piece it needs to tilt matchups in its favor uh being able to deal 100 damage or let's say with two double turbo energies attached to it that you get to shuffle back into your deck you're hitting for 60 damage but now you're paralyzing your opponent's active pokemon forcing them to have a switch out to realistically sustain attacking but because you're already packing a Dunsparce it's almost a no-brainer to include something like this because this could sway games one way or another very very handily and you preserve the energy because you shuffle everything back into your deck so it has the same amount of versatility that Luminion has in the current format. What huh. do you think? yeah no i i actually
1: think that's um very interesting whenever i saw this card i instantly went to like a lugia build as well too because the fact that it's four energies to be able to um, attack is kind of a lot to ask but yeah the fact that you can um you're already playing the Dunsparce in there anyways you can loop it back in and accelerate energies and truthfully you know almost makes you wonder if you could do this over and over again i kind of my my idea was almost like um, when I saw this was do like a Lugia build with Sharon, so that you're scooping up the Lugia, and then all you have is your Archeops and a Dunsparce, and then maybe like something like Clef Keys, um, so that way you put this back into your deck, bring up a Clef Key, so not only are they paralyzed, but then they've got you know whatever support Pokemon, at least basic anyways, are locked out as well too. Um, and then you just switch back into, you know, then next turn. You, you kind of loop the D-Dun Sparse over and over again, and just um, every time you bring up Clef Key so it's like a hit-and-run. Um, we saw something like this with a Selgor back in the XY era, I believe it was, or maybe it was even black and white. Um, but the fact that it paralyzes and shuffles itself back in, so you're constantly looping and locking out um, can be... I, I think it could be a really... I don't want to say tier 1 deck, but definitely a really fun but still strong deck Um, anytime you paralyze someone just over and over again is always going to be strong
0: yeah i could see sander definitely having a heyday with this card
1: yeah yeah it definitely seems like a sander card to me because a lot of people will see four energies and go nope i'm not doing it but um yeah like i said i just i could totally see a lugia sharon uh sharon's care like pick the lugia up and you're just playing with one prizers from that point on and and looping or even maybe you just go straight like Ar- Arc Rare Candy or you know, Um Fossil with Rare Candy deck or something like that. But I don't know, oh, yeah. it just seem seems really cool. Um and like seems like something I will definitely play to a local tournament one of the whenever it comes out.
0: <laughs> For sure. Go ahead and tell us about the next card, buddy.
1: Yeah, the next one, um Squawkability EX. <laughs> This is by the way, I'm gonna say this is the first time I'm seeing some of these new Pokemon, and some of them are great, <laughs> and then like this name just Squawkability just makes me laugh. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's a colorless, basic Pokemon with 160 HP, so on very on the like on the very, very low end. Um, but the has an ability, lively draw, on the first turn of the game. You may discard your hand and draw six cards. You can't use more than one lively draw ability during your turn. Um, and for one colorless energy, uh, energy flow, 20 damage, attach up to two basic energy cards from your discard pile to one of your Pokemon, um, weak to lightning, resistance to fighting, and a retreat of one. Um, I, hmm, I don't know where to start with this. I personally am not a super big fan, um, super low HP, the fact that the ability can only be used on your first turn, um... And then it just becomes kind of a bench sitter, and the attack isn't that great. Um, I could see it being great if your starting hand is just absolutely horrible and you have a nest ball to be able to grab this, discard your hand, and then draw a fresh hand of six. But outside of that, I personally don't like it. I think I would just rather build a little bit more consistent of a list and keep a weak two prizer off my bench. Um, What are your thoughts,
0: Drew? That's really all I've got to say about it. It's such a 50-50 card for me. Obviously, like, Pokemon-based draw, and it's not something you have to play from your hand to trigger the effect, is sick. Because, like, I I can't tell you how many times... I have had to coach myself through like, when is it appropriate to use the Crobat? When is it appropriate to use the Dedenne? And I've always found myself trying to establish an early board state by drawing those necessary resources with things like a turn one Crobat that I could search out with a quick ball or ultra ball or things like the Dedenne GX where I go grab with, um, what was it? The electromagnetic radar or something like that to get myself back into the game. And I think that Squawkabilly is designed and catered to do just that. To unfortunately put a two prize liability on your bench to help you draw that first turn to establish a board state while not giving you a tremendous amount of attacking and versatility um, later in the game. So you have to have that trade off for something like this. I'm very thankful that you can only use it on your first turn because if this was just a straight reprint of the Dene GX that you can use after a research or a judge or something like that to help you manipulate your opponent's hand plus draw yourself extra resources is so balanced so this is way better than i thought it would be in terms of balance in the game i just don't know if it has so much playability to the point where it's worth playing more than one in a deck if playing one at all
1: yeah and that's kind of my thought on it too is the fact that um it's an it's literally only good for your very first turn and if you don't get it first turn it's just a dead card I, and I think that's where I go with it, because I do like the balance of the fact that you can only use it on your first turn as well, because um, like we said, like you said, Dene uh, GX was just so good to be able to research, and you, I mean, you're seeing so many cards off uh, research and then Dene, and the fact that this is only on your first turn does make it very balanced, but yeah, it's just, I the amount of, and, and the fact that, like you said, it's not a hand-based ability, so if you do happen to start it, and that's the only thing you start, you can get out of it versus now where you start a Crowbat or Luminion, you're kind of just sol because it's stuck there um and you can't activate its effects yeah I, I do like that balance aspect but yeah i just worry about okay it's a prize well now i just drew it off my prizes later game and it literally doesn't help me whatsoever um so yeah
0: like it's 50 50 as well too i guess yeah and last note because you don't have to play it from your hand if you start squawkabilly you're not punished so I think that it has a tremendous amount of merit like that.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, if you start like Luminion or Crobat now, you're just normally punished for starting those where this is like, okay, cool. This is the only thing I could start. And this it's not activated by playing it down. It's just whenever it's there.
0: Right. On the um, first turn. <laughs> yeah. And the next card, I'm so excited for this reprint. Super Rod is coming back. It is an item card. You can play as many items as you want during your turn you shuffle three in any combination of pokemon and basic energy cards from your discard pile back into your deck this is huge lost box wasn't necessarily missing this you just had to play a more consistent one i think that this is incredibly strong yeah i i agree
1: i i'm super happy about this whenever i saw you know obviously ordinary rod was was leaving and we didn't have any item based recovery Um, i was getting a little bit worried because i do like you know being able to recycle pokemon or energies whenever i need them and especially with echoing horn being in the format still um or kind of still be in the upcoming format i think this is really good to have to just save yourself from those plays but yeah the fact that you can um i liked ordinary rod because it was two and two but i think i like this more because you can choose so say you needed nothing but energies or nothing but pokemon now you have the option to choose okay i'm going to put three pokemon back in my deck or i'm going to put three energies back in my deck or two and one and you know vice versa so um, I like the fact that it's a little more flexible even though you're technically getting one less card recycled back in than ordinary rod would give you so really cool to see this card back I'm pretty sure I have some old artworks of this card laying around so excited to use those old arts again
0: Yeah, for sure. And then go ahead and talk about the next card. Um,
1: So next up, we've got Charm of Courage. It is a trainer card. um, Pokemon tool, actually. So that distinction we talked about with uh, the new Scarlet and Violet set from regular items. Um, But the basic Pokemon this card is attached to gets plus 50 HP. Um, You may attach any number of Pokemon tools to your Pokemon during your turn. You may attach only one Pokemon tool to each Pokemon, and it stays attached. So a reprint of Cape of Toughness. Um, So I kind of get why they changed the name to Charm of Courage instead of just keeping it Cape of Toughness, whereas we got a reprint of Super Rod. Maybe to get people more accustomed to, um, you know, this new tool is going to have the actual purple tool logo on it instead of people trying to um, use their Cape of Toughness that they already have. So maybe it's just Pokemon's way of like, hey, we'll reprint the same card, change the name, so they have to use a new card so they can get more used to the distinction of it being a tool instead of just an item in general. But just really strong. I think you add this to the, oh my god, I don't remember the name that we talked about, the Ting Lu that we had talked about to make it 290 for a basic Pokemon. Um, And that's going to just absolutely be massive. And I think like we talked about that the hit Penny Loop um, stall tactic Um, In a nutshell, right there. What are your thoughts, Drew?
0: I, oh God, I I hate the fact that this card was printed. So Cape of Toughness had its caveats, right? You couldn't put it on GX Pokemon, which made it so the basic tag team Pokemon that were still in the format when that card was printed uh, weren't able to actually utilize Cape of Toughness. This is just any basic Pokemon. So you can now put this on Mirrodon. Arcanine V um, or Hisuian Arcanine V, uh, the the big basics that we really don't want to see have this much HP uh, are unfortunately getting a 50 damage buff, which is going to make it really difficult for things to be traded out with. Obviously, um, you're already able to shut down the damage output uh, on mirrodon which is capped out at 220, uh, which would trade out with the uh, what is it, the Capacious Bucket. Um, but now you give either one of them a 50 damage or a 50 hp threshold increase and it it becomes a two shot which is super duper strong it's very good but i kind of wish this was not allowed to be put on v or ex pokemon entirely i think it would have been a nice little balance to give to basic pokemon uh, that are already going to have such low hp thresholds and you know give them a chance to be able to evolve up into uh, the other necessary pokemon being able to only attach this to a cleft key uh, gives you a little bit of an advantage against things like lost box so i don't know man i think that they did us wrong by doing this but i understand that like yeah I, I suppose it's necessary i think this just encourages a big basics uh format and i don't really like that
1: yeah, I actually have to agree. I mean, we saw the power of Cape of Toughness being able to attach to Blissey for a while, a Blissey V, um, to make it 300 HP for a basic V. So I think we're just going to see stuff like that again. And, you know, we might be getting into a format where we're going to see a lot of, um, like back in the day was Whale Lord EX, Stalled X, where it's like you could literally, especially now that we're going to have Penny, where you literally just loop it back to your hand um I think we're going to see a lot of uh, stall-esque strategies um, or wall stall strategies come back in. So um, I think weakness boxes are going to need to be a necessary thing to be able to knock out a lot of these walling-esque decks. So yeah, it is, it is cool, but at the same time, the fact that they didn't give it the caveat of um, not to Vs or
0: EX is going to make it
1: somewhat of a problem in the future.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but then the last card we're going to talk about, go ahead and lead us off.
1: Yeah, uh, Io- I'm, so Iono, is that the name? I think it's Iono. Iono, okay. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it's the electric type. Ah, uh, I see what they did there. All right, yeah. so Iono, uh, trainer, uh, supporter, each player shuffles their hand and puts it on the bottom of their deck. Then each player draws a card for each of the remaining prize cards. You may only play one supporter card during your turn. Um, whenever this got revealed myself and as well as most of the Pokemon community I think just absolutely was in love with this card um, the fact that we're losing Marnie um, and it has a similar-esque factor to Marnie where you're putting you're shuffling your opponent's hand and put it on the bottom of the deck but now it's also that comeback factor that Pokemon's been talking about so we make, it's almost like Marnie and N as a card combined. So now, whenever you do this, you draw for how many prize cards you have remaining. So if your opponent has six prize cards remaining, you play this, they draw six. If they have one, they get punished. God, they only get one card. So it is just really cool, really balanced. Um, I personally, uh, I love the fact that this card is going to be coming into our format because not only does it. Um, disrupt like marnie did but it also is i think a lot more balanced than marnie was because it makes you have to think about your prize trades it makes you think about um your setups and your situations when you're using this card so you don't punish yourself um and you punish your opponent honestly for
0: um going off the races yep um it's it's a great card this is a fantastic supporter uh, being able to put the necessary resources that are in your opponent's hand on the bottom of the deck, then they draw however many prizes they have left is it, it's so multifaceted because if they're holding boss, there's no way for them to shuffle everything back together and potentially draw back into it. this is it, this just spells comeback mechanic, and I think that it's going to be a very expensive full art supporter. <laughs> oh without a doubt, like. The, I, I'm kind of punishing myself because
1: one of the few full art cards that I like in my decks are the supporters, and I purposely didn't buy Marnie's because they were so pricey. And it's like, well, this might be another full art supporter
0: that I'm not gonna have anytime soon. Yeah, I think you're just gonna have to like buy one every month, and it'll be justifiable. <laughs> Sell my car yeah. for the deck. Yes, exactly. Now, very, very cool supporter. I can't wait to play this with clef key path and iano <laughs> yeah just lock everybody out all right those are all the new cards very cool to briefly touch on those and give our opinions we're going to transition into the listener question yin on twitter asks what do i do with all of my cards that are going to rotate justin um you could have a nice little bonfire
1: um <laughs> no, no um so I've always prepared for rotation um, somewhat early, like towards the end I try to start selling off my cards before um, the market gets flooded with all these cards that are going to rotate and I'll only like, keep one or two decks, um, but realistically the best thing you can do is things that you know like 100% are not going to be coming back, so things like the Vs, the v maxes, um, just sell those while you can, but a lot of like the supporters, trainers, items, um, a lot of that stuff, and it's it's always hard to gauge. Um, but I've been burned by it a couple times. Is um, not is is hold on to them if you can. This is what I'm trying to say. I went through a couple rotations where I would always just bulk out all my stuff because it you know dropped down to bulk price and things like that, and I would just go ahead and bulk them out. Because I'm like, oh, I don't need these cards. And then, lo and behold, a year later, the card comes back. The older arts are worth, you know, three, four bucks a piece. Because they're the older art and not the new art. And they're back in rotation. So, if you have the capability and the space for it, I would say hold on to those things. Like your items, trainers, stuff like that. um, Because Pokemon does have a tendency to reprint stuff every once in a while. If you don't have that option, like you're you know working with space or things like that, or you just you know don't really care about you know holding on to them for some reason, um, definitely go to your local card shop and maybe see looking what they're like what they might buy and things like that. But yeah, as far as rotation comes, those cards that because they're playable are worth a bunch of money now rotation hits and unfortunately they're gonna go down to bulk pricing you know outside of a few glc cards and things like that because um, expanded is at this point dead um so yeah i would just wrote you know sell all the cards that are going to rotate if you can
0: yeah um the only other option i have for you is to try to encapsulate the decks that you liked to play um i'm currently framing some of my favorite decks that are unfortunately rotating uh just because you know time i spent playing practicing them the memories i have you know with my teammates and the events i played with specific decks and specific card combinations uh is something that i, f- I definitely like to look back on fondly um but then another thing you could do is build a cube if you enjoyed this format why not you know recreate the whole entire thing by building separate decks for a cube type format or separating all the cards into very similar uh, into the same colored sleeves and building a drafting cube out of it you know it's there are possibilities. I personally don't think I would want to play a VMAX cube myself, but if you enjoyed it and your favorite Pokemon or favorite cards were are unfortunately rotating, you could definitely do something along those lines. But other than that, uh, it's important to support your LCS and trade in what you don't think is going to make a comeback. Things titled uh, V, GX, and all those other things uh, will more than likely not make it a reappearance in the TCG. Um, And a lot of older tool cards that were items um, (laughs) are probably not going to make a comeback either because tools are separate now. So trading those in is a really cool feature because there are people who don't play the TCG and they want to collect those cards. It's a part of something that they want to finish like a binder full of everything Rebel Clash or Darkness Ablaze and stuff like that. So I think that's a huge additive. It supports your LCS, gets a little bit of store credit or something else in your hands. And I think it's a pretty fair trade.
1: I uh, I actually like the cube idea. I think that's really cool because I have seen people doing like era-based cubes. So I've seen like you know uh, sun and moon cubes, X and Y cubes, stuff like that. So that's a really cool idea. Um, you know, if I had the the want to build another cube, because I will say building cubes can be a very like strenuous task sometimes. Um, that is that's a if you have that want to do that i think that's really cool and then yeah just um outside of the local game store obviously support them but if they don't buy it that's also just good i don't want to say trade bait but trade uh trade fodder towards the collectors that might come to your to your local leagues or you know frequent your local shops and stuff like that so as they open packs and pull their doubles and stuff like that maybe you have some cards that from older sets now that they don't have that you know you can maybe work a deal out and get cards you need for your decks so yeah, um, pretty pretty good
0: question there, honestly, because rotation is upon us. Yep, it is right around the corner. If anybody else has questions for us, make sure you hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. Uh, the Patreon Discord updates. Our last standard locals is on PTCGO this Wednesday, March 22nd at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And again this locals is in the standard format and we're going to feature a hundred dollar prize pool 200 crown zenith codes on ptcgo that you can carry over to live or open doesn't matter and we're of course going to have some sweet ultimate guard swag to go along with the prizing so make sure you register for it should be a really good time
1: yeah i uh, i will be there this wednesday so
0: um can't wait to play against some of you guys yeah, in this wonderful old format. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, We'll wrap the show up with the predictions for Charlotte. What you got, Justin? Um, I'm going to pick this
1: deck solely based on... Um, so I was going to go to Charlotte um, originally. Some things changed. Um, but I'm picking this because one of my teammates um, is going to be playing it, and I know he has put just the absolute i mean insane amount of time into testing this deck um he's every time we have testing groups me and him tested and i just tell him like you're going to charlotte what do you want to test against because he's just trying to beat every matchup with it so um lost box uh ray but his build is pretty consistent and stuff like that so i'm gonna go with lost box ray to take it because i actually do have a lot of faith in him and his like deck choice and build and ability and and just how much time he's put in I don't want to say maybe not him specifically, but I think it could be him if he does as well as his practices have been
0: going, so lost box Ray yep, I think that's a pretty solid pick um i I'm gonna pick Mew vmax. I don't have any rhyme or reason for it i just i think maybe it's time for the squishy pink thing to. Win a event stateside, so we'll we'll see how that goes. We're we're um, at the point of deck a deck roulette for these things. Yeah, I mean, because if we pick Lugia every week, like we're right eighty percent of the time. So yeah, we might, <laughs> we might as well throw our cast our uh, our line into something else. Uh, but with that being said, Justin, go ahead and plug the show. Yeah,
1: guys, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is Pokebrews TCG, and if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is Pokebrews. Uh, Instagram is the easiest way to reach me. Uh, on both socials, you can find my Linktree account, where you can find things like my TCG Player affiliate link. If you use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regionals expenses, all while costing you nothing extra. Um, you can also find things like our PCS podcast, official merchandise by Bonfire. Um, that link is bonfire.com store slash PCS pod. Um, and we also have a Twitch channel where, you, uh, where we'll be live streaming the pod every week, as well as doing some tabletop games. As soon as we get that going, and you can find that at twitch.tv/slash PCS pod.
0: Um, and on to you, Drew. All right, and if you want to find me on my socials, Twitter and Instagram, I'm katana tcg. You can also check out my YouTube channel as well at katana tcg. Um, when you're checking out at Inked Gaming, make sure you use the code PCS pod 10 for 10% off your entire order. And while you are there, make sure you check out Ultimate Guards. Uh, premium products and their sleeves are just fantastic and then make sure you're also checking out our patreon joining our patreon directly supports us but we also have a lot of givebacks to our small pokemon community you get entrance to the monthly giveaway as well as entrance to the pcs locals which will be on ptcgo this week and webcam until live fixes itself in the future so make sure you're checking out patreon.com slash podcast justin sign us off
1: We'll see you guys after Charlotte. See ya.